When was the last time you walked into a Christian bookstore? Did you know there's a lot of books in those Christian bookstores today that are contrary to the Word of God? They actually promote false doctrines? Well, how are you supposed to know whether they're teaching the truth or not? There's so many books out there. There's so many popular speakers out there. Well, I'm your host, Mike Riddle, president and founder of Creation Training Initiative, and I want to welcome you to Creation Radio and TV. We have quite a show on for you today on this session, and we're going to do some real teaching. We're going to cover a topic called biblical discernment, training you how to discern what books are really promoting God's Word and what books are going against the Word of God. And with me in the studio today is Pastor Bill Rillo. Thank you for coming, Bill. Thanks for having me back again. Now, give us a little bit of your background again and uh, what church you, you teach at. I'm pastoring the Hyde Park Baptist Church. I've been there almost 12 years, and it's uh, just wonderful that uh, God is allowing me to be there teaching and preaching the Word of God. And you've been doing, I've heard you do some sessions on uh, the cults. I've heard you do some sessions specifically on things like the emergent church. That's one of your expertise area. What is the emergent church? But it all comes down to this topic, discernment. How do we know what is true and what is false doctrines? Because I believe the Bible talks about that and it gives us many warnings in there about false doctrines. So I'm going to let you go with this, Bill. Uh, do some teaching for us today. <laughs> All right, well, we trust God that this will be profitable for us. And, of course, our standard, our only authority is the Word of God. As a pastor, one of my great concerns, not only for my own church, but churches everywhere, is the deception that is being brought into the church uh, in the name of Christianity, in the name of Jesus. And the only way that we can guard against it is discernment, developing, practicing biblical spiritual discernment, and so uh, I want to talk first about the deception that comes into churches. Jesus actually warned about that in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. He told his followers to beware of false prophets, Matthew 7 verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus says there are some that will come among you claiming to be Christian, but they are not. We also, in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31, the Apostle Paul is warning about that. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, he tells these other pastors, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Is that where we get the expression, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Absolutely. It's from the Bible. Jesus warned about it. The Apostle Paul warned about it. And there are men and women today claiming to be Christians. Some of them hold very high positions in churches and in evangelicalism. But what they are doing, they are twisting, they're distorting. They are, in some many cases, even denying the Word of God. And, and what they do, they claim to be Christian, they claim to be speaking for God, but they twist the Word of God. They're doing exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden with Eve. 
has God really said this? Did God really mean it? And then Satan goes on to contradict what God said. He told her, you will not surely die. Satan did the same thing with Jesus when he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. He, Satan actually used the Old Testament scriptures. He misused them to try to get Jesus to sin. And so that same pattern is happening today. We will always have uh, men who are preaching and teaching the truth of God's word. And we will always, always have uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, counterfeit. Now I want to make sure we understand this now. Now you're set, not setting yourself up as the authority here because people out there, who is this guy that can say all these things? But you're using the Bible as the standard and the authority, not yourself. Absolutely. It's not what I believe that's important. My opinion doesn't count for anything. What does God say? What does he tell us clearly in his word? That's what we've got to be true to. And that's what the Bereans were, were doing. They were going back to the scriptures to test whether these things were really true. So it's the biblical authority model that we're talking about today. You're teaching us. Absolutely. And discernment is uh, certainly preachers, teachers of God's word must have spiritual and biblical discernment. But every believer needs discernment because they should weigh and evaluate every sermon they hear from God's word. And so we have Jesus and the Apostle Paul and others warning about false teachers. Are there any false teachers today? Well, there are. There are many modern-day examples of uh, twisting and denying the Scriptures. In general terms, uh, instead of preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, they are substituting, in one case, a prosperity gospel. And what the prosperity gospel is, is telling you that God... Uh, wants to be involved in your life so that he can help you, so that you'll be rich, so that your dreams will come true, so that you'll never be sick. In other words, it's all about what God can do for you in this lifetime. And, and that's a different gospel. That's not the gospel from God's word. And the apostle Paul warned about that in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, the church in Galatia, he had preached and taught them and then left to go teach other churches and someone else had come in behind him and was teaching a false gospel. And he writes in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And, and he clarifies it. He says, not that there is another one. There, there is no other true gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And, and, and Paul gives them a stern warning here. Uh, exhortation. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. And in case they didn't get it, he says it again, as we've said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, does that speak to some of these people on television? We were sitting home Sunday morning watching some of these preachers, and there are some good ones out there. I like to yes. watch some of these preachers on TV because they're really giving a good message. Yes. But we need to be discerning about the message they're giving. What they're saying, we should go back to the authority, God's Word. Is Ab what absolutely. Every time. Uh, we weigh everything. We test everything, as Scripture says. Uh, so like the social gospel, or not social gospel, but the prosperity gospel that I mentioned, teaching that God simply wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, is the, is the word faith gospel. And that's very popular today. 
probably the main proponent of it, I'll name names, is Joel Osteen. And what he teaches is that, again, God is for you. He wants you to be happy. He wants to make you a champion. And there is the sub-teaching in that, that words, what you say, words have power. And so if you want good things to happen in your life or to your family or in your church, you speak good words. And if you believe, if you have faith in what you're saying, God will make it come true. In other words, we can tell God what he should be doing. Absolutely. And, and the proponents, the, the true proponents of the word faith message go so far as to say, we are little gods. Just as God spoke the creation into existence by the power of his spoken word, we were created in the image and likeness of God. So we have that same ability to create by our spoken word. But he draws big crowds. It, it's got to be right. It sure does. And it seems to be working for those people that preach it because, after all, they're wealthy and famous, but most of the people that support them find that it's not working for them. They're just helping to make the pastor prosperous. And so there's the, the prosperity gospel, and that's tied in with the word faith gospel, but very prevalent today is the social gospel. And, and that's, been, that's been around for generations. And what the social gospel is, is a misplaced focus on why Jesus came and why he saves people. And the focus is not on uh, Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world, redeeming us from a life of sin and spiritual death, granting us spiritual eternal life, making us a child of God, uh, redeeming us to God the Father. They say that's not why Jesus came. He came to make this world a better place. And so the emphasis is quite often on the kingdom of God on earth, that uh, God saves us, he wants us to be good people so that we make this world a better place, kind of a utopia, so everyone is happy. Well, let me put you on the spot on this one, Bill. You didn't know right. I was going to do this, but see, if we teach these hard doctrines, they won't come, they won't stay. So if we make it easier on them, then they'll come and maybe they'll hear a little bit of good stuff. You know, that's, that's the popular opinion today, that uh, we don't preach the hard truths of God's Word. We, we, we encourage them. We pump them up. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what Joel Osteen says. He says, it's not my job to talk about sin or hell. He says, I'm, I'm a cheerleader. I want people to feel good. I want to encourage them. Well, if we read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit applies the Word of God to our life and our mind and our heart, uh, quite often we don't feel good about ourselves. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous. No, not one. It says that we are enemies of God before we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, you can, the, the, the popular social gospel, the, the emergent church movement is that you, you draw people in by being nice, by being hip, by being contemporary and relevant. And then once, once they, they learn to like us, once they see that we're friends with them, well, then we can sneak in the gospel and they might believe it. Uh, I never saw Jesus doing that. Uh, in fact, he, he drove people away from him quite often with the hard truth of God's word. And so the social gospel, I mean, how can you argue against a gospel that's all about feeding the poor and building homes and, and uh, going to uh, foreign countries and, and, and giving people food and money and health care and and we're not preaching against that. No, we, those are good things. We are to do good deeds in the name of Jesus Christ, but we do not set aside the true gospel because if we simply feed someone and care for them and give them good health, 
they will die without Christ and go to hell, rich, uh, well-fed, and from a nice house. And we're not doing them any good at all. So there's a lot of people in church sitting out there feeling good about themselves and their eternities in jeopardy. Yes, and that's, you know, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Are we really in the faith? Do, are, are we, you know, why do we go to church? Why did we come to Jesus? Did we trust in Jesus or believe in him just so he would fix our problems? Uh, the Bible says that's, that's not why he came. He came to save us from our sin, to make us acceptable to God, that we might become a child of God through faith and repentance. And all of these other Gospels don't, don't address that, or they minimize it, or they distort it and twist it. And, 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 and the, the word faith and the, the uh, prosperity Gospel and the social Gospel, they, they kind of just take the attention off of the true Gospel. But there are other Gospels out there, as the Apostle Paul would say, that um, are even more dangerous. And even in mainline Christianity, so much of universalism the universalist gospel starting to creep in. Now, what, is, what do you mean by universalist gospel? Have you ever seen the, perhaps a bumper sticker on an automobile that says coexist and each of the letters of that is made up of a different religious symbol? Mm -hmm. And what they're basically saying is all religions are the same. They all have value. We're just on different paths trying to get to God. So um, don't tell people they've got to believe in Jesus. What you're describing is something like what I've heard the term seeker-friendly. Is that what you're talking about, seeker-friendly? That, that is a part of it. But the, the coexist or universalism mm -hmm. says that all religions, all faiths are equally valid. doesn't matter how you get to heaven, all roads, mm -hmm. lead to the, all roads lead to God. And how would we determine that, that all religions aren't the same? The only safe way is to, uh, to agree with what God's Word says. Mm -hmm. Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the, of the world, says in uh, John 14, 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So that statement right there sets Christianity apart from all other religions. In other words, it's not what we can do. It's what God's already done for us. And I like, I like to use the analogy, the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world is do and done. It's what God has already done for us, but not what we can do. Because every other religion in the world requires us to do something or works. Absolutely. And in Christianity, it's done. God's already done it for us. God has provided the means of our salvation, our acceptance with Him mm -hmm. through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, from we've got a lot of people sitting out there that may not be sure whether they're saved or not. Can you tell us using the Bible, how we can know for sure we're saved? Yes. And that would be... This sounds like a setup, doesn't that it? That would be the gospel. The, 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 what is the gospel? How can a person be right with God? Well, first of all, from God's Word, they have to know God, His nature, His character, who He is, and why we need to be right with Him. The Bible declares that God has existed uh, with no beginning, no end. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is sovereign. He is creator of all that exists. He alone is God. There is no other than Him. He has created mankind. Mankind sinned against God, rebelled against Him, went His own way, and thereby breaking God's laws, rebelling against God, became separated from God. 
the state of mankind as the Bible tells us that we come into this world dead in sin, spiritually dead, physically alive, spiritually dead. We have no, uh, no true knowledge of God uh, as we need to know Him. He is evident in His creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. We look at this world and we look at life and we know there is a God, someone who has made us, and we innately know that we are accountable to that God. But, but who is He? The Bible tells us who He is. The Bible tells us that we need to be made right with God, that our sins have, again, separated us from God. He, he hides His face from us because of our iniquities. And so there's nothing good that we can do to take away the sin that we have done. And we cannot save ourselves. We are helpless. We are in a hopeless, desperate situation. So because we cannot make ourselves right with God, He did it for us. So on our own, we have no hope of salvation. That's what no. you're telling us. Right. And that's every other religion in the world says, if you do this, God will accept you. If you do this, if you don't do this. And, and God's Word says there's nothing that we can do. How about if I tithe more than 10%? A lot, of, a lot of churches would like that, but it's not going to get you to heaven. The, the good that you do, the good that we do, can't undo the bad. I mean, if I do more done. good in my life than I've done bad, I still don't go to heaven? You know, that's what most people think. That when we die, we go to heaven, and there's a, our, our deeds are put on the scale. If we've done more good than bad, we get into heaven. And the bad thing is, the sad thing is, we haven't done anything good. How about we do good according to our standards, but not according to but God's But I go standards. to church every Sunday. Good for you. Hopefully you'll hear the truth. But that doesn't earn you favor with God. So how do we know for sure we're going to go to heaven? We have to have our sin forgiven, removed. And God said that He did that by sending His own Son in the likeness of man, uh, taking on the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why Jesus lived a perfect life. He fulfilled God's law. We can't do it. We break His law all the time. So He had to be perfectly righteous and sinless, and He was. Then He gave His life as a sacrifice on the cross. The Bible says He died in our place. Prophet Isaiah describes that, that He bore our sins in His body. Uh, he, our transgressions caused the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. He died in our place. He bore our sins. And Scripture says that God accepted His death in our place as a substitute. The Apostle Paul says God has uh, demonstrated it by raising Jesus from the dead. Three days after He was crucified, He died on the cross. He was put in the tomb. Three days later, God raised Him from the grave. He's now ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for those whom He has saved. So this is what Paul was meaning when he said, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ. In other words, by ourselves, we cannot be saved. We're all sinners. We're all worthy of death. But Jesus Christ bore our sins on the cross, suffered all the way to death, and was raised from the dead. So when we stand before God, He's really going to be seeing Jesus and not us. Absolutely. The, one of the questions we sometimes ask is, if you die and stand before God and God says, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you tell Him? And most people say, well, I've been a good person. And right away we know their theology. They think that they get to heaven by being a good person. What will I say? I trust that I'll say, if God asks me that question, that you shouldn't let me into, into heaven uh, because I'm, I'm a sinner. 
but you sent your son and he died in my place and I have trusted and received the salvation that he has promised. And so on your son's behalf, I am accepted. And it's more than head knowledge about this, isn't it? Uh, people can say, I know Jesus exists, I believe in Jesus, but it's really got to be in the heart. That we really got to make that confession somewhere along the line. It doesn't have to be verbally out loud. It doesn't have to be any special prayer. But somewhere along the line, we have to profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and Him alone. By faith. Yes. And faith. And in the Bible, faith is not just believing. Because a lot of people, everyone, almost every American believes in Jesus in some measure. They believe that he was a historical figure, that he lived. He may have been a good teacher. But, but faith in the Bible is a trust. I am relying upon Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross to give me acceptance. And that's God. not what the social gospel preaches. Uh, they might weave it in there somewhere, but they add all this other stuff around to make us feel good. Uh, we walk out of there tickling our ears. Right. Or, so we have the social gospel, we have the prosperity gospel, and those are things that Paul warned us against. Don't get caught into those. Take it back to the Bible and test. Is this how Jesus taught us? Is this what Paul was telling us? So we want to be like Bereans is what we, you teach in your church is you're training your people, your congregation, even to check the things out you say. Yes, yes. Don't take my word for it. Go to the scriptures, to the law and to the prophets. That's the only safe place. And we would say to the gospel. In other words, we've got to be careful about setting up our pastors on a pedestal and say, well, they have their degrees. They must know what they're talking about. They understand the Hebrew language. They understand Greek but we can all make mistakes. Absolutely. And another scourge of modern Christianity is the weakness of churches is quite often a weakness of the pastors, which is a result of the weakness of the theological seminaries in which they've been trained. So many professors in what we might consider to be a good Christian college or university, the professors themselves do not believe the Bible to be the Word of God. And they communicate that to their students by the time those young men graduate, get into the pulpit, they have no confidence in the Word of God, so they're going to be using man's methods for building a big church. And I see this predominantly in the issue of creation, where many of our Christian universities have abandoned the Word of God, and our students don't know and don't have this discernment practice where they check out what is being taught in class with God's Word. They're just believing the professor because they have all the degrees, and here's these professors up there teaching, oh, the earth is billions of years old. Man has proved that. Well, they haven't proved that, and they can't prove this earth is billions of years old. And the Bible clearly teaches that God created everything in six days. Nowhere in the Bible do I see millions and billions of years. Nowhere in there do I see that God used evolution. But yet, our students lack discernment. And that can also come from a lack of teaching in the churches about yeah. discernment. Yep. The, they are the pastors, the teachers of God using evolution or whatever are bowing. They are setting the scientific world, the scientist, up as a higher authority than God himself. And nothing good ever comes out of that. Now, we, we've talked about the, the different Gospels. You, you've mentioned a few names in there. But there are many, many books out there that are people buying. And some of these books are on the bestseller list, so they got to be good. They're on the bestseller list. Now, uh, I'd like to have you come back for one more session, and I'd like to talk about some of those very popular books out there that are on the bestseller list that people are buying. Are they really that good? And let's talk about discernment again. Let's check them against what the Bible teaches. Would you come back and do another session for us on that? I'd be glad to do it. Thank you. 
Well, thank you, and I hope you learned something about discernment, and I hope every one of you out there will check these things out against God's Word. Not only the things Bill has said, but the things I say also. We need to be like Bereans and check these things out and beware of false doctrines and beware of wolves in sheep's clothing come into your life or into your church. I want to thank you for listening. Next week, we're going to go into some more books, popular books, and we're going to name some more names. Who, who are the authors of these books? Who are people following out there? And we're going to get back and to the Bible as our authority in all matters. I want to thank you and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.